We saw people dropping all around us, that's true. But nobody died in the field during the pandemic from COVID-19. Now, does that mean God doesn't love other folk? No. But it is a call from God that we ought to be more grateful than anybody. As a church, we ought to be more thankful because for every crushing experience, you can always look at something God did that you didn't deserve. We didn't deserve his goodness. We didn't deserve his faithfulness. We can't earn his grace. But we're here today because God is good. Oh, if you don't believe he's good, just look back over your own life, the tragedies of your life. You ought not be here today. You don't look like what you've been through. Why? Because God is good. I feel help in here now. God is good. Sometimes when my feet get heavy and I feel like I can't walk forward, I hear Isaiah say, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, run and not get weary, walk and not faint. We serve a faithful God. We serve a good God. If you don't believe he's good, I dare you to try him. So, so as a family right now, where you're sitting, if you're sitting next to somebody that you're related to, or if you're sitting next to somebody that you know well, just, just pray for that person. We're going to pray for each other right now. We're going to pray for the Gresham family. We're going to pray for your family. We're praying for the Scales family. We're going to be praying uh, for so many families that are in need of a touch from God. If you know them, why don't you just right where you are, call their names out. Just call the name out because I don't have to hear. We're not even talking to me. Thank God you're talking to somebody greater than you and I. If you know somebody in need of prayer, just call their name out now. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I come to I need thee, oh, I need thee. Come on, do you know it? Every Oh! 
calling. because God sometimes we run into stuff we cannot understand oh God even worse sometimes we run into stuff we understand and can't do nothing about but God our Father in the name of Jesus we come looking to you because you are the source of our hope you are the strength of our lives and oh God so many times you've brought us when we could not bring ourselves so we pray, God, you would touch the Gresham family right now. We pray that you would be the lifter of their heads. God, we pray for the Scales family right now. We pray, God, for Sister Barbara Davis right now. We pray, God, for Sister Betty Wilkes right now. We pray, Lord, for all of those who are struggling, needing your hand. Oh, God, we know you can do what nobody else can do, that which seems impossible. So right now, God, in the name of Jesus, have your way. Everybody who's brought a concern in this house today, touch right now with your finger of love. Death-dealing realities, we bind you in the name of Jesus. Disaster, despair, we bind you in the name of Jesus. You told us in your word that what we loose on earth, you would loose in heaven. What we bind on earth, you would bind in heaven right now in the name of Jesus we bind despair we bind hopelessness we bind depression we bind illness we bind evil we bind the devil in this place and right now, God, we lose hope, we lose faith, we lose joy, we lose the future in the name of Jesus. Yeah, yeah, we come, God, because you're God, right by yourself, because you're able to keep us from falling. Do what you want to do. In the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And when the victory comes, God, we, your people, declare that we will give you glory. Even before the victory comes, we're going to praise you because you're worthy. 
Yes, Lord. You're able. We're going to give you glory. Because you deserve our praise. That's why our hallelujahs, Lord, belong to you. Have your way. Do your best, God. Because we, your people, are waiting expectantly in tent doors for what only you can do. We receive it. We decree it. We declare that it is so in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. If you believe he's heard us, why don't you give him some praise?
What a worthy God. We praise the Lord for what the Lord has done. We worship because of who God is. So today we are willing to say, as we receive the word, God, we praise you for what you've already done. Romans, the 13th chapter, beginning with the 8th verse. I'm going to be reading it from the New Living Translation. When you found it, would you just say amen? Or read along as I share. Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. For the commandments say, you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others, so love fulfills the requirements of God's law. This is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up. For our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me for a few minutes this morning on the subject, disrobing from darkness, dressing in light. Disrobing from darkness. Dressing in light. Let's pray. Consecrate me now to thy service, Lord, by the power of grace divine. Let my soul look up with a steadfast hope. Let my will be lost in thine. 
In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Did you hear the one about the 19th century farmer whose wife went into labor in the dead of night? Did you all hear that one? The doctor was fetched and delivered a child while the farmer held a lantern to help the doctor see. Then the doctor said, hold that light a little closer, would you? Pretty soon the doctor said, hold on, hold on. There's another one. We got twins here. And the doctor delivered the second child. Wait, wait. Bring that light a little closer, would you? Naturally, the farmer was shook up by this unexpected development. But then, he said, hold on, hold on, hold on. We got triplets. Another one's coming. Right then, the farmer began to back out of the room. Come back here. Get back here with that lantern. To which the farmer replied, oh, no. It's the light that attracts them. Might be that poor farmer's misunderstanding was a little hysterical from the shock of triplets. But still, he was on to something. Light attracts. This seemed to be the issue for Paul in this section of Romans 13. He wrote to the church at Rome from the city of Corinth during his third missionary journey. And he had the special challenge of helping this church distinguish and stabilize itself while it was living in the shadow of a corrupt Roman culture. Rome had no allegiance to any one religion, nor did it have any doctrine or dogma, no right belief existed in Roman religion. Roman religion was about what seemed to produce results in everyday life. In Rome, if you lived in the city, it was all about pacifying the gods so that your business would prosper or your house would be saved or your crop would come in. A large part of what by this time had Rome deteriorating was that Rome lived in darkness. This, of course, meant that the world lived in darkness because Rome ruled the world. And into this context, the light of Christianity was now breaking. So Paul writes to remind the church at Rome and us here at the field that light is still breaking into the world. In a few months, we're going to experience this news, this first season of the Christian year called Advent. We, the church, have always celebrated light breaking into the world. And I don't know about you, but how many of y'all need some light breaking into your world? If you won't admit it, I will. I need some light 
breaking into mine. So it is, that's why Advent begins the seasons of the Christian year. And once we get there, we're going to celebrate that once again light is breaking into the world. For now, I need to tell you that just because it ain't Advent don't mean light is not breaking into the world. If you need it, light is here. Light is available. Paul says, the night is nearly over. Day is almost here. Paul declares that, that it won't be as long now as it has been, but Christ is on the way. It's time to get ready. It's time to wake up. That's what verse 11 says. You, you can't really understand our text, that is, verses 11 through 14, until you understand the context into which those verses fit. We need to understand at a minimum verses 8 through 10, and the overall spirit of chapter 14, verses 8 through 10, establish the imperative that in order to get ready for the breaking in of Christ to the world, that we celebrate uh, during the season after Pentecost and leading into Advent, the law of love has got to be the law of the land. In verse 8, Paul advises, Owe nothing to anyone except your obligation to love one another. Paul isn't talking about debt. A lot of disciples misunderstand the text when they want to browbeat somebody because they have financial problems. This text is not about debt. Paul is calling the church in Rome out of the system of the empire and pointing to citizenship in the kingdom of God where love is the law. Oh, no one. Oh, no system. Oh, no political party allegiance. Rather, oh, any and all, only according to the rule of love. Chapter 14, just on the other side of our text, challenges believers in Rome not to be so hard on one another because of how each other lives, the quirks of conscience and the idiosyncrasies of religion that characterize us all. There's something crazy, Paul suggests, in all of us. I dare you to turn to somebody and tell them you crazy too. Paul's counsel to the church then is the first piece of advice that he offers, of, offers us today. The first piece of advice Paul offers us is disrobe from darkness. Listen to what he says. He says at the backside of verse 12, so remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes. Karl Barth, famous theologian, said, love of one another ought to be undertaken as the protest against the course of this world. You want to overcome the stuff you hate happening in the world? Then Paul says, turn up the love power. Find a way to love folk that you don't like. I'm going to get unpopular now. Find a way to love through disagreements that you want to hang on to so you can get the best of that Negro that danced on your reserve nerve. 
Paul says, you want to get rid of racism in the world, then love people enough to fight for justice. Paul says, if you want to overcome unjust, unscrupulous, undemocratic, unchristian, uncouth, degraded, reprobate politicians, then vote. Love folk enough to get out in the, in the fray and make sure justice can be done. Throughout all of the preceding chapter in verse 14 that follows this text, love one another is established as stronger than anything. Can I talk to some folk who sometimes get so angry you don't feel like loving? I need you to know love is stronger than anger. You don't believe it? You just love somebody long enough and at least they'll get embarrassed about abusing you. Love them enough to tell them the truth. Love them enough to stand up for yourself so that they see God's love fearlessly operating in you. Love, y'all, is stronger than anything. Rem Sims, I've lived in the church long enough to know over 43 years that some of the worst people I had to deal with who set themselves up as my enemy, I ain't never had an enemy that I made, but, but, but they knew they had to be my enemy because I represented stuff they were opposed to. The worst of those enemies was susceptible to constant Daily, relentless, implacable love. Y'all ain't say amen, so I know some of y'all don't believe that. We still believe that sometimes a lick upside the head works better than love. How wrong we are. In fact, Love is the evidence that you have kept allegiance to God's law. Love of the other. That's the hallmark of somebody who's fulfilled fully one half of the whole law. The other half being love the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. This love family is the indicator that you've rejected the ethic of empire. It means that your only obligation is not to the empire, but to fulfilling the highest obligation, love the neighbor as yourself. In fact, Jesus took it even further. He said, I tell you this, you've been taught love your, in love your neighbor as yourself. But Jesus said, I'm telling you what, love that enemy. Got quiet now. Love that one that cussed you. Love that one that mistreated you. Love that one that abused. Love that one that stole. Love that one that has opposed you. Love them and your neighbor. Good Lord, Jesus, why? Why I got to love the one who tries to drag me down? It means that your only obligation is not to what the country is putting down, but it is to live according to what Jesus has already put out. It means covering the bases of the empire 
paying taxes, obey the law, so you have no outstanding debt to the empire, yes, but this sets you free then to discard, to take off, to disrobe from the darkness that dominates in the empire. Walter Brueggemann calls it totalism. You've got the power then to shake off the totalism, the hegemony, the control, the autocracy, uh, the dictatorial leadership that the empire is trying to sell you. You then don't owe them allegiance to any of that. You owe allegiance to love somebody. That when you love somebody, I'm a witness, it will draw resources to your side. When you love somebody, it will give you strength to persevere. When you love somebody, it will give you creativity to meet every demonic challenge with godly power. When you love somebody, it will lift you up above enemies all around you. When you love somebody, it will give you the objectivity to stand in places where nobody knows your name and speak a word of truth when lies are everywhere. You can be in the empire and not of the empire. This has implications for every aspect of life in the empire. Folk of the empire might not like you, but they sure will respect you. Can I tell you something? I ain't trying to win friends and influence people. I got enough friends, just one or two, but I'm just trying to make sure that you may not like me. You might hate me. You might care me out, but you will respect me. That's love. That's love. Love demands respect because love gives respect. Love demands justice because love creates justice. Love demands strength instead of weakness because love casts off the weakness that comes from being oppressed. Love never bends his back or her back unless they're praying and asking God to pick somebody up. Love keeps a straight back. Because you already know that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Love does not bow. Love does not scrape. Love does not compromise with evil. Love plays no patty cake with demonic activity. Love speaks the truth in love. Love declares what is because you already know who controls the future. People in the empire, you can experience dual citizenship, yo, stripped of the dirty, tattered trappings of the empire's way. Some things I see on TV now, I just want to go turn the TV off and take a shower. Dirty, filthy, moth-eaten, debilitating, dirty clothes. Why, why do we wash dirty clothes? Well, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. We wash dirty clothes because they limit the places we can go. You wearing dirty clothes, you better not go out in much polite company. Or you will be turned away. If you're wearing dirty clothes, you cannot compete in places of high station. You can't sit at some tables if you got on the dirt of the empire. Jesus, through Paul, teaching us here. You got to disrobe from darkness. Family, it's time for us to take off these dark clothes. And Paul says, not only disrobe from darkness, but he says, dress in light. Listen, listen to the back half of verse 12 again. So 
Remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes. Watch the conjunction. And put on the shining armor of right living. Dress family in the light. A number of deviant behaviors, if you heard the text, are listed right after these words in verse 12. That it, it seems like Paul wanted believers to stay away from th some things. He lists a few. He says wild parties, drunkenness, sexual promiscuity, immoral living, quarreling, and jealousy. Well, that cleared out most of churches. Uh, but but this, is not, this is not meant to be an exhaustive list of prohibited sins. You know, listen, sometimes we get so hung up on certain specific sins because we want to make sure our own sins get overlooked. I said, we get so hung up on somebody else's specific sins because we want to make sure people ain't paying attention to the sin I'm carrying around in my dirty, tattered clothes. I know we like to be holier than thou, but there's nobody holy except one who chooses to live holy, and the holiness is reflected holiness. It ain't intrinsic holiness. Whatever holiness we got comes from the Lord. No, no. Here, here Paul intends to equate these behaviors with the empire so he can challenge the church that once they disrobe from the empire's darkness, they can dress in the light. Verse 12c says, and put on the shining armor of right living. This, the, the evidence of this is found in, 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 a little further down in verse 14. He said, instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, y'all, I'm through now. Can I just testify a minute? If, if Jesus Christ is the Lord, we've been singing about Jehovah. If Jesus Christ is the Lord in the context of Roman oppression, it means that Caesar ain't the Lord. Oh, y'all missed it. If, if Jesus is Lord, it means your bill collector ain't the Lord. Y'all stay with me. If Jesus is the Lord, it means your enemy ain't the Lord. If Jesus is the Lord, it means Donald Trump ain't the Lord. Y'all write me if you want to. If Jesus Christ is Lord, it means uh, that the abuser in your house is not the Lord. If Jesus is the Lord, it means that the culture that's killing folk and, 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 and doing all manner of dastardly things is not the Lord. If Jesus is the Lord, then ain't nobody else the Lord. Every believer who dares to dress in the light and declare that Jesus Christ is Lord has simultaneously made the subversive statement that all other ground is sinking sand. All other leaders are just wannabe leaders. No election, y'all, holds my destiny. Y'all, if you can't take watching the news every day, turn it off. Because if you get into fear that things are going out of control, you just got on the wrong clothes. You still got some dirty clothes on. Just get them dirty clothes off you and put on the shining armor of Jesus Christ. You put on the armor of Jesus Christ, it means that there is no enemy that can take you down. If you put on Jesus, it means there is no challenge that can stop you. If you put on Jesus, it means there is no obstacle that can really block your way. If you put on Jesus, it means you just stay at it a little while longer. You just keep putting one foot in front of the other. And I declare whatever is standing in 
in the way has got to come down because the last time I checked the book it said that God had given him a name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee must bow and every tongue must confess that this Jesus is both Lord and Christ he is both Lord and Christ he is Kyrios and Christos he is the one in authority and he is the one God anointed he is the one in your life that when you call on him the fiercest of enemies has got to take a back seat when you call on him you can stand flat footed in precincts of danger and declare I will fear no evil because your rod and your staff they comfort me you got Jesus on at the shining armor of light on it means that no weapon formed against you will be able to prosper I wish somebody would pray if you put on the armor of Jesus it means that every valley will one day be exalted and every hill and mountain shall be made low when you put on Jesus it means that when you get up in the morning and Arthur has got you bound you can look to the hills from which cometh your help and you will find out after a while when you put that creaky foot in front of the other foot and the other one you got to drag along eventually you're going to find out that he is an orderer of the steps of those who follow him yeah when you put on Jesus, you'll find out that there is nothing too hard for God. When you put on Jesus, you'll find out that folk may talk about you. Folk may mistreat you, but in the end, you're going to win. When you put on Jesus, you'll find out that when you're running, he will order your steps. All of the ground is sinking sand when you follow Jesus the record will reflect you'll be able to sing the song on Christ the solid rock I stand all of the ground all of the ground all of the ground is sinking sand when you put on Jesus he will keep you in the midst of every storm sometimes y'all the Lord stops the storm but most of the time God gives you clean clothes in the storm yes I'm so glad that I put on Jesus because when I put on Jesus I found out that a tuxedo does not compare because can't nobody can't nobody can't nobody do me like Jesus yeah can't nobody do me like the Lord I put on the light so I walk in the light beautiful light y'all are to come on where the dewdrops of mercy are shining bright I found out y'all when I was stuck in the jungle in El Salvador, he will 
think that because you're in the church you don't ever put on darkness can I tell y'all some of the darkest moments of my life have happened at the hands of saints not just ain'ts it is a choice family a decision to take off You do know you have to work to love your enemies. Sometimes you have to work harder to love the folk you know. Y'all ain't going to listen. Why, why, why is it harder sometimes to love the folk you know? Sometimes it's harder to love the folk you know because you know them. You know all the baggage. You know where all the bodies are. That's one of the great attributes of marriage. Somebody grows to love you, even though they know all your junk. What a wonderful testimony for disciples. We love each other, knowing our faults and failures, our weaknesses, our shortcomings. We love you anyhow because we know we got some too. Disrobe from the darkness of hatred. Disrobe from the darkness of anger and revenge. And 
put on light, it will aid you down the road, family, when you run into situations that you can't resolve. Once you know you've got love on your side, love in your heart, dressed in love, people will see it. I'll never forget standing in the grocery store one day many years ago in College Park in the neighborhood where we lived in Virginia. I was standing in the checkout line waiting and uh, dressed in my skivvies, you know, my raggedy clothes. Because I was working in the yard, I'd stopped at the market to pick up a couple of things. And when the lady in front of me started checking in, apparently she had brought her five-year-old and he was sitting on the windowsill in front of the register where she was. Little boy got up from his seat and he came over to me past his mom and he said, hello, pastor. I looked at this little fella and I thought, where did I know you from, baby? The mother sensed what was happening. She turned around and she said to me, we don't know you, but he's very spiritual. He can see the light in you. What? Fact is, y'all, your light is on. Or your light is off. Dress in the light. You don't have to worry about where the provision is coming from when you're dressed in the light. You, you don't have to worry about how you're going to come out of this battle you're in when you're dressed in the light. So the beauty is, you've got a family right here, right now, who loves you. Aren't you glad about that? I, I wouldn't be anywhere else but in a church family. We were all apart. Listen. Sing it if you know it.
leave here today, why don't you make sure to do this? Song says, I pray for you. Come on. I pray for you. You pray for me. That's why I'm still standing. Some of y'all prayed for me. this worship service from around the world, we invite you to come be a part of this great family where we pray for one another. We need one another. There's a hashtag at the lower left corner of your screen, Field Me CLT. All you need to do is write it in that chat line, that hashtag, or even I need Jesus in my life. Or even I want to be a part of your church. You don't have to be here in Charlotte to be a part of the field. We've got family members all over this world. You come. Just come. If you're here in this house, just come. Reverend Johnson, Reverend Stinson, Reverend Sims are going to come. They're here as open doors to you. If they see you and you can't make it all the way down the aisle, we had that happen a few times last week in particular. You just stand up and hold up your hand. They'll come get you and bring you on into the family. You need a family because we need each other to survive. First meet Jesus. First meet Jesus. And we'll introduce you to him. It's a decision. So we're going to sing that refrain one more time. I I pray for you. That's what we're doing right now. We're praying for you. While we sing it, just know that we're in solidarity with you. Those of you 
in the metasphere, those of you here in the room, just get up and come. We'll put you to work in ministry right away. Those of you who place something in the chat, somebody's going to reach out to you almost immediately. We'll get back with you quickly to make sure that you know you're welcome. Why don't you come? Come on. Would y'all in the house stand in solidarity with somebody making a decision today? Would you stand in solidarity with somebody wrestling, praying? celebrating the sacrifice of Jesus for us through the Lord's Supper. This is not only a memorial meal. We're not remembering some dead Savior. We are memorializing an eschatological feast. What do you mean, preacher? I mean we're celebrating the fact that this world is not the end of our journey because of Jesus. He died in a place we should have been. We should have been the victim. But when he died, he made clear he was shedding his blood for the forgiveness of all of our sins. So that's why we sing the blood that Jesus shed for me. Way back on Calvary. That Jesus Blah, blah. 